For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good morning, everyone. Happy Interdependence Day weekend. I don't know if uh, people online, I see people online from Michigan and Cleveland and New Mexico and Bay Area and California. I don't know if you can hear, but there's uh, rain falling all around us here in Chicago. Can you hear it? So, the Lotus Sutra says this is the Dharma rain. Uh, the rain falls universally on all beings and nourishes all beings equally. So uh, we are blessed by this rain. So I want to talk today, I usually um, every year around the 4th of July to talk about Interdependence Day. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness enshrined today. And life continues. Uh, last Monday, I gave a talk about positive stories to encourage us about uh, the earth and the rain and uh, nature and our connections, stories that reconnect us to this world. So, for example, there's now the the scientific knowledge that forests are intelligent beings, organisms, who uh, can communicate, trees can communicate with each other through the mycorrhizal networks under the ground and share nutrition and share warnings and support each other in various ways. There's also our story from the Lotus Sutra of Bodhisattvas springing forth from under the ground when they are needed, from under the earth. And we know that there are many beings, many people all around the earth who are working um, to help caring for each other and for the planet. Can you hear me okay online? We're frozen. Okay, well, I'll I'll keep talking. Can you hear me now? Good, okay, thank you, Brett. So, uh, of course, unreported mostly by the mainstream media, there are many beings, many people who are looking to help. And on Interdependence Day, I, uh, I feel like the ideals of freedom and liberty and justice for all in our country, uh, the ideals of freedom are quite congruent with the ideals of liberation in Buddhism. 
So there's a way in which liberation involves acknowledging our interconnectedness, acknowledging interdependence, enjoying and expressing the possibilities for wholeness, for healing in our world and through the practice of Sangha and the interrelatedness of Sangha. But on this, uh, on Interdependence Day, I feel some responsibility as a clergy person to talk about uh, some of the obstacles that we are facing as part of realizing the possibilities is also realizing the difficulties. So uh, here in Chicago, we had uh, very dangerous, unhealthy air quality, and also in the Northeast and other parts of the Midwest. And this is due to the Canadian wildfires destroying forests, destroying the intelligent beings of forests. And we know that the fossil fuel corporations knew about this back in the 1970s. They did scientific research and they knew that their business plan uh, was going to lead to this kind of climate catastrophe. But they promoted denial and they uh, promoted the climate advantage because it was good for their corporate profits. So um, this is this is one reality that the fossil fuel companies um, bring us these disasters that affect many people. Heat waves in the, in the deep south, forest fires everywhere. This isn't something that's happening, going to happen in the future. This is happening now. So, you know, it, it may feel like I'm going to be talking about politics today, but it's not about Democrat or Republican or left or right. I think it's about policies, policies being promoted either of cruelty or policies of caring. Caring for people and beings and for our world or policies that increase cruelty and harm to people and to our environment. So uh, many things to say about this. Uh, I don't want to just give a laundry list of issues, but I want to talk about how we can be aware of both the possibilities and the difficulties. So, um, to start somewhere, there's a, a massive attack on women's health now, on women's health care, the so-called the anti-choice court rulings. Really promoting cruelty and damage to many women in our culture. If this was a truly pro-life movement, there would be measures for good childcare, 
and to protect new, newborns and to promote the health of mothers and uh, child care and uh, good public education for post-fetus children. But that's not what's happening. The anti-choice movement's now talking about outlawing contraception. So this is not about, this is, again, a policy of cruelty. And of course, what's, what about the right to life of endangered species who are, who are in the middle of a mass extinction? There are also massive attacks on LGBT people's rights here and around the world. There's so-called American so-called Christian evangelicals who are working actively in, in Africa as a laboratory for what they might do here to um, attack the rights of gay people, in fact, the lives of gay people. Now, thanks to these so-called Christians, people in Uganda, gay people in Uganda, are being jailed or even executed. So, uh, how do we take care of people? How do we recognize people? Again, there's massive voter suppression around the country working to obliterate the rights to uh, even know about our country's history, history of slavery and racism. So uh, our practice is a practice of awareness and working for caring and benefiting beings requires us to understand history, requires us to understand the cultural karma that uh, is, that leads to situations now. There are also uh, class wars, class war promoted. Uh, maybe this goes back into our history, but certainly in the last few decades and and increasingly recently, there is uh, taking from the many and, and uh, helping the billionaires amass more. Heard that poverty is the number four killer in the United States, ahead of guns, ahead of opiates. Poverty costs this. Each of these things, of course, we could talk about in much more detail. And on Independence Day, Independence Day, around the 4th of July, um, our country celebrates the values of freedom and justice. And justice for all. So, uh, just to have those values in place 
whether or not they're followed, is valuable. But we should know what is actually happening. One of the, uh, I feel one of the biggest dangers in, to our country now and to the world is military spending. Weapons makers and war profiteers control a lot of the United States government policy. The United States has over 800 military bases outside our borders around the world, compared to eight for Russia in all of the countries, much less than that. So the amount of, of money, the budget of our country, over 53% or more now of the United States annual national budget goes to military. And much of this goes to developing Weapons and the weapons makers are making a, a huge profit now. Of course, the Ukraine war is terrible. Putin's invasion and, and cruelty in Russia is terrible. War crimes there. But how do we actually protect the Ukrainian people? I understand that there have been opportunities for peace talks between Ukraine and Russia, broken by various people, various other countries. And always the United States government has been blocking them because the war is good for business, it's good for the weapons contract. So just to, just to name a few of them, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, Lockheed, Honeywell. We should know the names of fossil fuel companies and the, and the war profiteers. And we talk about Putin's war crimes. And yes, war always there are war crimes, but more and more. Julian Assange in Australia now in prison in England, is imprisonment and threatened with extradition to the United States to face espionage charges, basically because he was a truth teller uh, and exposed the United States war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. So uh, there are lots of war crimes to go around. And, uh, if Julian Assange is in fact brought back to face espionage, then uh, what he did by publishing information about what's going on uh, will also endanger free speech and journalism and the New York Times and the Washington Post, not just Julian Assange. So uh, the 4th of July is celebrated uh, often in the memory of Thomas Jefferson, who I have uh, used to think of as a great hero. His writings are brilliant and inspiring. 
a couple of quotes from Thomas Jefferson. In uh, 1816, he said, I hope we shall, and I think this was after he was president, I hope we shall crush in its birth the aristocracy of our money corporations, which dare already to challenge our government to a trial by strength and give defiance to the laws of our country. That was in 1816. Now we have money corporations who are writing the laws of our country. In 1791, Jefferson said, if there be one principle more deeply rooted than any other in the mind of every American, it is that we should have nothing to do with conquest. So this was before he was president, after the revolution. And in this century, of course, or in the 20th century, in this century, of course, the American government has followed policies of conquest. Jefferson's, a, you know, in some ways inspiring, but also a very problematic character. I feel like he embodies the koan of America and the United States. He said we should have no, nothing to do with conquest. And yet, he created the Louisiana Purchase, and which led to the conquest of many, many, many Native American peoples. Some of them and some of their spiritual tradition still survives, fortunately for all of us. But um, this is, the, this is uh, you know, celebrating the 4th of July. We can, sell, we can see the collective karma of our country. Going back to slavery and racism, which obviously continues, and the destruction of indigenous people. So this is this is a collective situation. We need to understand what um, what our collective karma is. Of course, it affects us all personally, and it's not separate from the personal karma that we all are involved with, each of us individually. How do we work for caring rather than cruelty? This is a real problem. We're all connected to this. This is not, this is not some, something separate from evil people out there. This is something that's part of our lives too. How do we understand our individual karma and our collective karma? How, so interdependence, liberation, involves working for, for the world, for all beings, as bodhisattva practitioners, but also to see our own capacity for cruelty or for caring. And how do we turn our lives towards caring? This is the challenge of interdependence there. How do we understand all this? So just going back to the challenges to our country now, there's this massive book banning 
expunging our history so that we can't understand the uh, collective karma that affects us all. The karma of slavery, racism, murdering indigenous people that affects us all whether or not we are so-called white, so-called colored, or whatever. Um, we're all affected by this. So to try and destroy history, to ban books, um, is to keep people, our citizens, ignorant. Just to speak of all this now, to remember history, to remember our literature, is now a, a radical act, an act of freedom, an act of liberation, to talk about history, study history, study literature. So one of my three favorite novels has been that, Toni Morrison's Beloved, amazing book, which really, you know, I think all Americans should have to read, should be assigned reading. Of course, there are many other great works of literature, but um, to have this banned in many states now is about um, denying our humanity, denying freedom, denying liberation and justice for all. So again, just to speak of these books, to do what librarians now are doing. We have a librarian in the audience. Librarians are promoting, trying to promote knowledge and books in the face of oppression. And then maybe the, work, the, the biggest problem we have now is um, the dangers of nuclear war, which uh, grew up back when we had nuclear atom bomb drills in school, in grade school. We'd go down to the basement. Some places they had you duck under the under your desk like that would protect you. <laughs> uh, but now uh, our country and other countries are developing nuclear technology and expanding that. And we threaten expand we threaten or wars or expanded wars with Russia and China, other nuclear nations. So it's very dangerous. And I feel called to mention this, to speak about this. Read Daniel Ellsberg's book, The Doomsday Book, about uh, the East Nuclear Nuclear War Planner. And part of the American nuclear policy is that we will use first use nuclear weapons. And we are the only country that's done that in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So uh, coming up next month, I'll be at Hiroshima Day ceremony to remember it in Chicago, and I'll talk about that. It's getting closer. Okay, so how do we practice with this? With these, all of these realities that are around us, as well as the realities of all the people who are working for caring as opposed to cruelty. So one thing is just bodhisattva resolve. Pay attention. 
pay attention to the world and also to see that we are not separate from the world. Again, part, part of this work is to be mindful of our own part in all of this, the whole situation. How do we see our own um, tendencies towards cruelty? How do we see, become intimate with that and not act on this? This is a practice that all government officials should be doing. How do we see our own tendencies towards caring? And how do we see practices that we can do that express caring? And this isn't just, you know, social or political. How do we see caring for the people around us, for the beings around us, as opposed to cruelty? How do we look at the whole situation intimately? We're not, sep we're not separate from any of this. And then there's the message which I have heard that, you know, in terms of the Mahayana Bodhisattva scriptures, it talks about many world systems and Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, many Buddhas on the tip of my staff, many bodhisattvas, many Buddhas and bodhisattvas on the tip of each hair, of all of them who have hair. Buddhas and bodhisattvas in every atom. This is one way that the bodhisattva teachings see the world. And it said that Right now is the best time to be, to be alive for a bodhisattva. And that bodhisattvas from other world systems, other solar systems, other Buddha fields, are lined up waiting to be born here now. Because this is the time, such a time as this, is the best time to actually make a difference. We can change our situation and the situation of the world. We can change our, we can really become intimate with our own personal karmic issues and see how to act for caring rather than cruelty. And we can do that in our world. Our actions in body, speech, and mind can make a big, most consequential difference in this difficult, challenging world now. And we're most needed now. In whatever way, each of us can express caring and kindness rather than cruelty. In whatever way, we can each respond to any of these issues uh, support some nonprofit that is doing good work on the issue that calls you. There are many things that we can do now. We can actually face the challenges of our world and of our own lives. We can face the history. So the people who are banning books, you know, say that their children will be made uncomfortable if they hear about slavery or racism, or other kinds of cruelty. Yeah. We shouldn't let them be uncomfortable. 
Well, the Bodhisattva practice is about going beyond our comfort zone. So all of you who sat session know this, that you know, sometime in the first day or the third day or whatever, it becomes uncomfortable. How do we keep going? How do we keep upright, steadfast, still, quiet, and see the arising of situations of our life and our world and respond. Be present. Pay attention. So also our personal transformation has to do with this interdependence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So look at what is happiness. It doesn't mean just fun and pleasure. What is, what is true happiness in the context of bodhisattva practice? How do we study the self? How do we receive the support of Sangha? Study the self in that context. Become intimate with the self. The self that is not separate from the oppression of women or gay people or all the other problems in our world now. How do we see our own attachments and patterns of reaction? Even patterns of cruelty, tendencies towards cruelty. If we pay attention, to these patterns of ourselves and the world, we have the possibility of not being caught by attachments, not being caught by these patterns. We can feel anger and not act out, not name call. We can feel outrage at some of the things going on and say, okay, how can I help with this? What can I do? to express kindness and care and say cruelty. So, this American holiday, Independence Day, 4th of July, you know, can be celebrated with fireworks and all kinds of other ways, but also it's a chance, it's an opportunity to actually study the self and study our world and study our country and study what is happening around us, and to respond. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a big dramatic response, although, you know, if that happens, great. How do we, this involves being patient, paying attention, not just reacting to some anger and and running around and and screaming or whatever, uh, in our own lives or in the world, but to actually keep attention. This is what's difficult about Zen practice. And this is what we learn about in Sashin from all day students, to continue to 
maintain awareness. We continue to be saved, upright, still, and pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. What's going on? Seeing patterns of cruelty, seeing patterns of caring, and how do we support the caring? How do we oppose the cruelty? And, and this requires a great deal of patience to see how to act skillfully and to make mistakes, to try and learn from them, try and make good mistakes. And to be a force for caring in the world, in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, and in our society. So, I could keep adding about all, all, all of these things, but um, I'll stop now and give time for discussion and comments. Uh, responses. So, online or here in our discussion, please feel free. I'm hoping that you can help me look people online. So. Yes, David Ray. Thank you, Tygan. Uh, I think I've asked you a short version of this question before, but it's about this, it's about this word cruelty that, I, that I'm hearing in your in, in, in your talking more and more. And, and it sounds like the opposite of, of cruelty is, is caring. And then and I'm hearing you talk about things happening in the world. Um, sometimes it's, you know, um, um, making a decision based on profit and knowing that it will cause great harm and pain and suffering and even death in the world. That's one thing. And then another set of actions might be like preserving a set of ideologies or, you know, cultural norms that are, that are prejudicial and, you know, um, elitist and, and so on. Um, but, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why you're using the word cruelty. And, and I'll say that, you know, so in my sort of personal lexicon, I think of cruelty as doing harm to somebody for the sake of doing harm. And it's clear that that's not what you're describing, right? I take it that the, you know, the, the, the war profiteers and, the, and the, the, the fossil fuel companies are not like twirling their mustaches, delighted that people are going to suffer and die. They're going for the money. And so, so my question is about cruelty and why you use that word and what it means for you. Well, you know, I, I've been thinking about all this stuff for a long time. Um, I'm talking about the effects and consequences, not necessarily the motivation and intention. Um, but the effects of, you know, the war profiteers and the fossil fuel corporations who knew that uh, that their business plan was going to create 
the climate catastrophes that we are seeing now and worse coming and continued and promoted it. Um, now, you bring up motivation. So intention is very important in all of this. What is our intention? Is our intention to be caring? Is our intention to create harm? Um, but I think if the intention is to make money, like the war profiteers, but they know that, you know, in our country, the, the I'm not speaking about soldiers who volunteer to go and, and police believe they're protecting the country, uh, but if but they're not being taken care of by the government, the veterans, um, or not adequately, even close adequately. Um, what are the effects? So I'm thinking of cruelty not not in terms of intention and motivation. And yes, there are there are times when the intention and motivation of people is just to enjoy, say this, enjoy seeing others in pain. But but you know, in the, in the bigger picture, what is the effect of of some of these actions? And it's cruel. And you know, maybe there's a better word. Uh, harm makers, I don't know. But I think, you know, the cruelty feels visceral, and I think it's the effects of these kinds of policies. I mean, and sometimes the effects of unthinking actions. You know, uh, I'm aware that there have been times in my life when I said something unthinkingly that had an effect that was cruel. All my ancient twisted karma from the beginning was grieving, delusion, born from body, speech, and mind, and now floated out. We all have this capacity to intentionally or unintentionally inflict cruelty, to say things that are hurtful, to take actions that are hurtful. How do we look at this? Yes, David Wayne. Um, bringing it to our practice, um, for me what's important and yet is very difficult is uh, remembering the sixth precept and remembering the three poisons. And if I dwell on the faults of others, I have to realize that I'm not fulfilling you know, the, the sixth precept. And it's important to realize that many people are acting, whether we agree with their actions or not, they're acting out of ignorance. They may be acting out of hate, in some cases, hate or anger, or greed, as the oil companies do. Um, but it's really out of ignorance. And what is hard for us and but I think what is very important is to remember that it's not about finding fault with others. It's not about praising ourselves. Oh, we know the truth, and so we're better than they are. Which is the you know seventh precept, you know, not praising self, but to just have consciousness and care for those people as well, and try to, in our own way, understand accompany them and bring them with us 
as we go towards further knowledge and out of ignorance. And I think that's one thing that's important. If we set up a, a we, they, we are committing the same thing. We're perpetrating it. And it's important to, I think, I feel, especially from practice point of view, to uh, maintain an us attitude and see people acting out of ignorance. Your thoughts? Yeah, thank you very much. Yes. Um, name calling and, and blaming and shaming others is not particularly helpful, I think. Trying to convert others to our perspective is not so helpful when they're dug in on their perspective. And yes, to see that this is a function of ignorance. Um, but things change. So, and I'll throw in another word, along with caring, to respect, to respect all beings. It's not that people who are causing harm, knowingly or unknowingly, are, uh, you know, evil and we have to, you know, kind of get rid of them all. That's how war starts. People change. There are many, many stories of people who did very terrible things changing their perspective. What's the, na the name of uh, Buddha's disciple who was a serial killer? Angulimala, yeah. Um, he was a serial killer. He, and, and one of the stories about him is that he had been persuaded by somebody, some psychic or whatever, that if he killed a hundred people, that then his, his family would do well or something like that. And he had a mala with 99 fingers on him, different fingers from different people here. Murder. And he saw the Buddha. And he so he thought he'd get the tenth, the hundredth. And uh, the Buddha was walking ahead of him. And no matter how fast I'm going, all of the walk to run, he couldn't catch up with him. And he yelled, Stop. And the Buddha turned around and said, No, you will stop. And he, um, he did. And he became he became Arhat even. He had to suffer the consequences of the harm he had done because family members came and told him. But he practiced very diligently and became Anyway, um, that's just an old story, but there there are historical stories of people who have acted out of great hate and then changed their viewpoint. Um, there's a few stories of people in current white supremacy hate groups or in Ku Klux Klan who uh, changed their viewpoint. I forget their names, but there's someone who met a black woman and started talking and he been a Ku Klux Klan person. Totally changed his perspective. Yeah. 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 Y
So this is possible to start with. So to not dismiss, to not ignore anyone because of their actions or views. And, I, and one way I see this is caring or, or just respecting all beings. And, and not, you know, the precept you were referring to, not speaking of the faults of others, to not shame or speak ill of particular people, but to look at the situation and to, to, to be attentive and present. And when you see some something to say that can change their perspective, you might try that. But thank you for your question. Other comments, responses, reflections. If I may, I just want to add one little folk saying to that. You know, when we look at, at the different people in the world who we think are causing harm, there's the old folk saying, you catch more flies with sugar than with vinegar. And if I come out with vinegar and bile against somebody, I'm not necessarily going to be able to uh, have them soften their views. Right. And, you know, I think people do get caught up in trying to convert uh, people from damaging views. And sometimes that's wasted energy, you know. This... There are numbers of people in our Sangha who have family members who they disagree with their quote-unquote political perspectives. And I encourage them not to try and argue, but just to maintain connection Other comments? This is difficult stuff, and you know, I really do appreciate the ideals of this country liberty and justice for all, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the ideal of freedom. Every vote counts, you know. Um, Personal responsibility. So this is a this is a great situation for Bodhisattva practice. Not that we've not that this country is perfect ever perfectly enacted all those ideals, but the fact of having those ideals is really important. In many Buddhist Asian cultures, such ideals did not exist. 